as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Uh, Davey, this was your idea. I'll let you uh, set this one up in particular. I, it, it's Jim Henson at the Texas Politics Project, but uh, Davey didn't pitch to me the topic. This is your idea. <laughs> well, I uh, noticed that there was some polling about uh, Attorney General uh, Paxton, whose trial may end, we're told, may end this week, and it would go to the jury, which is the senators. Uh 47% of voters think that uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton engaged in activities while Attorney General that justify removing him from office. And this is a poll of the Texas Politics Project, uh, who, which is headed by uh, Dr. Jim Henson, James Henson. Uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, what what does what's the rest of this this particular question information? 47% think he. He did something which would justify his removal. 53% think it, he didn't. What? Well, you know, it's even a little more complicated than that, of course. Uh, only 18% said that he didn't. And I think what's really telling here is a little more than a third, 35% said they didn't know and they, they you know, they were reserving judgment would be one way of interpreting that. And so I, I, I think the... Not only is the literal jury out, I think among the public, um, you know, the, there's a lot of vagueness on this. Part of this is that people actually haven't heard a lot about it. I mean, at least they hadn't when we were in the field with this poll, which was, you know, about the last week of August yeah. or so. And so, you know, it was a long, hot summer with a lot going on. And there was really no change in the in the share of people that told us they'd heard a lot about his difficulties between June and August. Do, do you all anticipate doing a, a, a poll after the conclusion of at least round one of of this impeachment to find out if you know what do people think now? Yeah, we'll definitely be uh, back in the field. Um, we we've been polling roughly every other month for the last couple of years. So the timing should work out that once uh, they hand down a verdict on this and people, there's been a little coverage of it, that'll probably fall about the time that we're doing more polling. Any surprises um, in, in this particular question? Anything surprise you? Um, well, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if it was surprising, but I'll tell you in that very same question, if you break that down by party, what was you know yeah. unsurprising is that about three quarters of Democrats say that yes, the Republican Attorney General <laughs> did things that justified removing him. But I think the ambiguity among Republicans is really important here. So if you just look at the Republicans, 
on that same question you were talking about, only about a quarter said that he had that the attorney general had taken actions that justified removing him. About a third, 32%, said that he had not. But the plurality, the most frequent response, 43% of Republicans said that they didn't know or didn't have an opinion to offer. And what that means is that if Republican senators on the jury are looking towards their base for some kind of guidance, and look, we've been saying for months, this is an inherently political process, and I'm not Mm -hmm. saying they're not going to pay attention to the evidence, but if they're looking to see what their voters think, they're not getting a lot of clear guidance. Yeah, and and the um, <clears throat> the political um, forces behind the lieutenant governor, the ones with money, lots of money, uh, judging from their, uh, the, they don't seem to be that effective at the polls either. So I'm not phrasing this properly, but... Um, I'm saying yeah, I mean, because I, you, know, I think I, you said Lieutenant Governor, I assume you mean Attorney I'm, General. And, Attorney and, General, yes, I'm sorry. Um, yes. No, no, uh, I think, me, you know, but I think you're really onto something there. I mean, I think, you know, the, the defenders of the Attorney of the Attorney General and, and, you know, his allies have been beating a drum saying that, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to primary everybody that, you know, votes yeah. against Ken Paxton's interest because it makes them bad Republicans. But, you know, those groups have not been particularly successful in their primary challenges in the last few elections. And the other side is not without, you know, its own funds. I mean, if you start kind of adding up the money that, yeah. you know, some of the more mainstream Republican groups have, that the Speaker of the House has, Um, There's a lot of money floating around to defend incumbents. Now, you know, incumbent legislators don't like any uncertainty. So, you know, any any primary challenges is something they don't want. Uh, But I think, you know, the the forces that would seem to say it's, you know, it's it's a matter of Republican orthodoxy and loyalty to support Ken Paxton as this trial unfolds. You know, that, I don't think that argument is landing as broadly as they as they yeah. advertise it landing. Our guest is Dr. James Henson. He uh, is in charge of the Texas Politics Project at the University of Texas at Austin. Zach, you're a guy from the Austin area. I was curious about this from last week on Friday when uh, Tony Busby, the attorney for Paxton, started throwing out the name of one George P. Bush, and he's the real mastermind behind this. He's the puppet master. He's the guy pulling all the strings and stuff. And I thought, wouldn't we hear more mentions of him doing these sorts of things behind the scenes if he had any part of what's happening uh, or causing this I- impeachment uh, trial to be happening? What what have you heard, and if, if at all, anything? And uh, what do you think about that? Well, you know... <laughs> I, I'm biting my tongue a little bit at the term George P. Bush and mastermind, but we'll just let that go. Um, I also That's think for, I mean, Dr. Hansen. That's uncalled for. <laughs> you know, it's, it's late. It's been a busy day and I've been watching the trial all day. Uh, look, what I think is this, I mean, the, like, like a lot of trials in even more conventional trials in the, in the legal system, there's a war in narratives here. And the prosecution's narrative is that Ken Paxton has behaved in ways that brought dishonor to the office, that betrayed the public trust, and that provide the basis for him being removed. 
the defense's argument, in addition to the, you know, Ken Paxson didn't do anything wrong, and if he did, it wasn't that wrong. In addition to that is that there is a conspiracy among a lot of actors, mainly in Austin, who are conspiring to remove Ken Paxton for their own nefarious reasons. And George P. Bush is somebody who challenged Ken Paxton in the last primary election, and the forces that supported candidates that were opposed to Paxton have all been part of this conspiracy story that, that the defense has been putting before the Senate as a way of defending Paxton. I mean, I think, you know, in, in his opening statement, T- Tony Busby, or actually it wasn't his opening statement, but in, on the first day, in, in closing out with the first witness early in the trial, Tony Busby accused uh, the deputy attorney general of being part of a coup against Ken Paxton that ran through these various interest groups in the community that opposed Paxton in 2022 and even included the governor's office. And so I think these, these references to George P. Bush and these maneuverings are all part of an effort to throw a bunch of alternative theories of the case against the wall and, and hope that they stick, in particular, with Republican senators in the jury. I had a good, I had a good chuckle when they were throwing that out there too, uh, Doctor Hanson, because it it kind of implies that I mean, if he had that kind of leverage, if George P. Bush had that kind of leverage or that kind of political sway or gravitas or whatever, don't you think he would have done better in the election? Well, I mean, I think that's one of many objections, one or questions one might have about this theory. You know, and I, I think even, you know, even more than that, as I was watching that testimony, as long as we're on that subject, you know, I mean, I think if you're trying to persuade a, a jury of Republican senators that they should support uh, Attorney General Paxton in this situation, and one of the arguments they're making is that, you know, the governor's office and Greg Abbott, by implication, were somehow involved in this. I'm not sure you're really persuading people because what you're saying is, yes, you should defend Ken Paxton's interest and you should defy the governor and, or if you're not going to defy him, you should acknowledge this sort of un, you know, unsubstantiated theory that the governor is, is conspiring to make this happen along with these other actors. You know, I, I don't think that's a winning argument with the swing votes among the Republicans in the Texas Senate. Joining us on 710 KURV is Dr. Jim Henson with the Texas Politics Project up at UT Austin. Davey, go ahead. Uh, my uh, my thought, for what it's worth, is all along has been that when some of the senior um, instances are made public, those senior instances which uh, would merit his removal, like running around on his wife uh, and uh, Governor General Paxton, I'm sorry, um, and in fact, I think the woman with whom he is having, I think, I think she's the acknowledged affair E in this thing. That once that hits the uh, the news, a lot of support from a lot of support from people who regard him as um, uh, an avatar of all that's right and moral against the deep state and all those that that would evaporate. But that assumes. <clears throat> that they actually find out that he's been up to some kind of squeamish things. Um, how how do you 
how do you poll that? How do you figure whether that's having its effect? Well, I mean, you know, we, we walk very, you know, I, we treat very lightly around issues like that. But what I would say is, you know, what we've been doing so far is we ask the kinds of questions we've asked, and then we look closely at, at some of the subgroups to see, for example, how is the attorney general's approval among those in the electorate that identify, broadly speaking, these evangelical Christians or as yeah. extremely conservative? So far, his support has been not amazingly strong, but comparatively the strongest among those groups. And, you know, this is one of the issues that's kind of floating over some of the legal arguments here. You know, one of the the defenses that Attorney General Paxton's legal team has made is this idea of what's called the forgiveness doctrine. And we've seen this come up in the arguments and the testimony. The idea, you know, briefly put is that you know, if Kim pa- if, if, if people were, if, if these charges were known to the electorate and the electorate reelected him anyway, well, then the Senate and, and the House have no business trying to remove him from office. But you bring up a good point. Per the earlier uh, uh, result I was suggesting, a lot of Texans don't, haven't really been following this very closely. There's been a lot of other things going on, even if you follow politics and that are that are really crowding this out so it's an open question to your point about just how much they've paid attention to this and it's one thing to have this swirling around out there it's another thing to have um this person that he has had the acknowledged affair with um testify and in fact mm-hmm. she's in the building today and you know I, uh, they are That's on a long thought. pause in the trial right now and i believe that they are discussing whether and when she is going to testify. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention was something that initially thought we're, we're speaking with Dr. Jim Henson from the Texas Politics Project up at UT Austin, our guest on your nine five six drive home, and we're, we're kind of up against a, a break here. But I really wanted to figure this one out with you. the uh, The trial was expected to take several weeks, and that was quickly cut down to. Eh, I think we'll be done by Friday. Uh, yeah. what, what, what do you think, what, what are the factors that, that are, uh, that, that, are, that well, caused I mean, this? I think, two things. I, I, I think some of those, you know, some of those, uh, initial predictions that it would take several weeks were probably not entirely reliable. Um, you know, given what we knew about the preset time that each side had to present their arguments. But I think to the extent that there is kind of a rush to get it done with, I think the senators uh, themselves are tired of being there. This is not a comfortable situation. Um, You know, it's more time that they are used, you know, that they are accustomed to spending. And I think there's a general sense that people would like to get it over with. And don't forget that there is also an expectation that there will be another special session before the end of the year on education, particularly on vouchers. And I think, yeah. you know, there's a certain degree of interest of getting this, getting this done and so they can continuing come back. <laughs> to move on so that people can call it a session. And they got to get rid of this one so they can come back and do another one. Have you done any polling <laughs> about the uh, voucher thing that I missed on your, your website? Yeah. The, the latest poll that we did, we, um, that uh, this August poll, we gave people a set of, uh, I think it was six education policy areas that we think, you know, could be on 
have been on the legislative agenda and could to some degree or another be on the agenda for the special session. Um, a sort of generic description of what vouchers was on there, and they were actually at the bottom of that list Ooh. in terms of what people thought was important. The issues at the top were school safety, parental rights, and teacher pay. Okay, thanks a lot, Dr. Henson. We Thank appreciate you, it as Henson. always. That's Dr. Jim Henson from the Texas Politics Project up at UT Austin joining us on News, uh, News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Let's talk about DACA for a second, Davey. We haven't heard about we haven't heard from this in a while. So a federal judge on Wednesday issued another ruling against the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Immigration Program. The Biden administration had tried to codify the DACA policy into a federal regulation, but Texas and several other states sued to block that. The judge ruled the Biden administration's attempt was unlawful. It's the same judge that ruled that the Obama administration memo that created DACA in 2012 was illegal. The White House is expected to appeal, and the case could go to the U.S. Supreme Court. The judge did not grant a request to order the termination of the program. Stephen Pickering, TSN News. So this is happening so many times, and by this I mean, hey, we're just going to go to an appeals court until we get the ruling that we want. This is this is the strategy that both sides use all the time. It's gotten to the point where if you read the headlines enough, you already know how this is going to play out. They're just going to keep appealing. There's going to be rulings. They're going to appeal the rulings. It's just going to be cyclical, this never-ending cycle. But you had some specific feelings about DACA in general, Davey, right? Well, I think that they... Well... <clears throat> they just suck it up and fix this, but I, th- I think the uh, Supreme Court eventually go to the Supreme Court and get fixed there. Um, so we'll have to wait for that. That'll be the definitive and final word. I think the so-called DACA kids ought to be allowed to stay. I don't think we should add to the DACA kids. Uh, but um, I, you know, I, I will say personal pleading. I have a f- uh, Family friend who who it's a long story, but uh, one of the children's married to a DACA a DACA boy, and um, he's uh, you know he's the cliche. He's a good kid. He's uh, super helpful around the house. He's getting an education. He has some skills. Doesn't get in trouble, and um, everybody in his family is a citizen. Except, so I don't know what we gain, but now and this is being here's the thing, uh, listener. This will be referred to by allowing the people on the DACA list now. This will be referred to as amnesty. I do not regard it as amnesty, me personally. What would be amnesty would be something I read a lot about, which is if we got you know, the, the number varies, 11, 12, 13 million people who are here who are not lawfully present. Just make them citizens. 
No, I, I don't so agree with that. People would be opposed by that because that would also be kind of a hidden incentive of, well, you know, the, they've been here for so long, they might as well just permanently stay here. So that's, that that sends the message. That's the argument. Well, if I if I get across, and if I stay there long enough, they're just going to let me stay. That's the argument that uh, it would be an incentive, and I think it would be because, to me, the reason I think it would be an incentive is that would be human nature. As I've said before, I think a lot of our immigration thinking and immigration policies and laws do not take into account normal human nature. They don't take into account people doing what they regard as best for them, not what's best for America, which is not mutually exclusive, but what's best for them. That doesn't mean we have to let them in. But, but speaking but, of which, but 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 so the DACA, you know, I I just think it's immoral. Both both parties also were jammed up on this. I'm not, I really don't know why. I know why some Back people to like, this big giant spider web that is the border uh, and immigration oh. in general that we talked about. Uh, Congress is getting a unique perspective on the impact of illegal immigration. Here is TSN's Michael Board with that report. The wife of a Texas Border Patrol agent laying bare the psychological stresses that agents are facing in what has become an unprecedented surge of illegal immigration. They carry the names and faces of those children to the point where normal life situations are no longer as relevant as those tragic stories. Myra Cantu was part of a Capitol Hill hearing on the consequences of the border crisis. The stresses leading to suicides, which she says are up. Apprehensions increased to a reported 177,000 in August at the southern border. In San Antonio, Michael Board, TSN News. Yeah, that's another story that people don't hear enough about. It's the the mental health of the Border Patrol agents because arguably their boss is fighting against them every step of the way and keeping them from doing their job, handcuffing them. And yeah. so when the job gets too stressful, I mean, some people in another report that we had here was, uh, I mean, they turned to drinking. Uh, where, did I, where did I get that one? One second. I had the audio here. It is... We're out of the office tomorrow, you know. Thank you, Davey. I'm stalling uh, for you. <laughs> yes, if you stall, try to keep it on topic, Davey. <laughs> yeah, so Myra Cantu, who you heard earlier, was part of a Capitol Hill hearing on the consequences of the border crisis. And they, she's saying that the, the surge of immigration is taking such a toll on agents' mental health to the point where some of them are turning to alcohol at home. And as you heard earlier, suicides are up, as well as the apprehensions. Mm. So, and, and arguably, I mean, when you're handcuffing the guys from doing the job that, that they're there to do, leadership is like, well, we're just going to let them in anyway. Well, why are we here you know, in the heat, in the elements, yeah. withstanding all of this and having to see some of the gruesome sights that we're being um, forced to look at and, and address here at the border? Because if our bosses up the chain aren't, facilitating yeah. a way to end all of this it's very it's all very counterproductive it's a it's an it's, incre it's an incredible struggle and everybody has their own cross to bear in this situation because everybody sees different things and it's really easy and i've said this a thousand times about illegal immigration and the border and all the topics that encompass it not only in texas but across the entire u.s mexico border but that it's it's such a there are so many different issues and elements and things to just point a microscope at mm -hmm. it's a it's very difficult to address everything that's going on at once when you talk about it especially during a 10 minute segment on a radio program you know what i mean yep so it's tough we need to we need to we need 
we need more eyes on the issue and not just the ones that are being selective about the what like what the bleeding hearts say like what we were just talking about with daca and uh people that are complaining about the border buoys in the water right it's very selective it's there's a lot of cherry picking going on it's very difficult to take all of it and see it as a whole see the see the forest for what it is rather than just the individual trees uh moving on president biden praising the american spirit while touting his economic agenda whatever we've set our mind to as a country we've always accomplished we've never failed not a joke think about it naming one objective america's set that they haven't been able to accomplish if we work together i am biting my tongue you know that there's a, a debt uh there's a there's a spending bill that we're about to hit at the end of the mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the month that we're not agreeing on right i mean we're gonna get to it but it's just the path getting there and the fact that this is something that happens a little bit more frequently than i would like that's one thing but anyway biden was at a community college in maryland and he claimed that the Republicans' plan will give tax cuts to the wealthy, cut Social Security that's, and Medicare, and raise costs me. for American he, families. He knows Excuse he's me? talking out of his ear. <laughs> he knows that's not right. Yes, he's going to bring out the big boogeyman, right? Oh, tax cuts. Ooh, spooky. Uh, The president's criticism of the Republicans' economic policy comes ahead of a potential government shutdown at the end of the month if they can't agree on a spending deal. But he had said, hey, Republicans, they didn't do that great job of handling the economy. It blew up the deficit. It produced an anemic economic growth, if any growth at all. He's just saying words at this point. It's just well, just read whatever's on the prompt, I, uh, Mr. President. I yes, I I heard uh, somebody else talking about that on a national talk show, and my first response was, "Well, were you on record? Were you on this was Jane Jane? Were you on record as opposing the spending levels? It's it's uh, hypocritical yes. to criticize either for, to criticize somebody for blowing out the budget if you didn't register your complaint if you didn't vote no or get on the record as saying you don't like it now some things they have to vote for whether they like it or not and both parties are guilty of it and um, both parties are complicit that i will say that the democrats push through this enormous spending increase by the narrowest of margins but if you're not on record opposing it shut your mouth here's why i'm laughing davy it's because some people do who don't follow this as intently as some other people might they believe that the national debt and the deficit are interchangeable terms yeah all they hear is something something money something 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 budget something something oh they're talking about money he must know what he's talking about and they're not they're they're very different things they're very they they might be similar they're, they might be within the same ballpark, but they're two completely different things. Talking about the national debt and talking about deficits and hmm. how much spending we as a country um, consume yeah. from year to year. Uh, I, I want to know how much of that is eclipsing GDP, honestly. I forgot what the numbers were the last time we had checked it's that. It's pretty high. But yeah. Our, our interest, the, 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 uh, the danger is the what we owe in interest because as interest rates climb, as they have then the interest that we owe keeps going up without us having to appropriate anything. It, this is, the, one of the fixes is something which will make everybody yawn, which is go back to regular order and the way they used to pass spending bills, which is, they haven't done that in a long time. You know, and everybody, of course, when you go to coffee in the morning, everybody's talking about regular order. 
not. So, but it, but it is a, one of those sort of tedious inside baseball things, which actually works. Yes, Biden approaches the podium and says, "My fellow Americans, something, something, budget, something, 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 spending, something, 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 deficit, something, something." I'm Zach Cantu, along with uh, Davis Rankin on your nine five six drive home. Lots more coming your way after this. You're listening to an encore presentation of the nine five six drive home on News Talk seven ten KURV and KURV.com. I love your show. Hello. Hello. Having our voices heard. That's right. Yeah. You live and you learn. Exactly right. This is our country. Use your heads on this stuff. Bingo. Sick of the talking heads. I agree with you. Talk, 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 talk. Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm here. I'm just listening. Yes. No. Yeah. No. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Everyone is so smart. They are so dumb. Who is she the judge? Stand up to do something. Thank you. The Valley's only news talk station, News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. The impeachment trial of uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton and the defense attorney for the embattled Attorney General of the Mighty Republic of Texas. Uh, They were trying to paint a group of whistleblowers as disgruntled employees who were upset because they were being fired. If they're not seeing eye to eye, it's going to break down and we start losing efficiency and there could be worse problems. That is uh, Henry De La Garza, the HR director for the Office of the Attorney General. And he says that uh, the group of whistleblowers were all being fired for insubordination. There was some evidence of questionable decision-making, just the breakdown in the working relationship. Also, uh, a lead deputy attorney, sorry, a deputy attorney general under Ken Paxton running down the articles of impeachment and providing a different view of the accusations. Uh, This is a report from TSN's L.P. Phillips. Reporting on the first Austin day, Kinghorn is one of reporting on the first day of uh, <laughs> uh, Paxton's defense. Paxton's top current managers in the Texas Attorney General's office. He says Paxton had the authority to order his office to get involved in a charity's lawsuit against campaign donor Nate Paul. That Paxton had the right to ask for a file that the FBI did not want released to Nate Paul, and he was asked whether a sham investigation was done about the whistleblower complaints that alleged bribery and corruption. Kinghorn said that report was valid. If I had identified a false and mis- or misleading statement, I would have uh, immediately raised that issue uh, to the folks who are working on the report for consideration. Under cross-examination, Kinghorn declined to admit that after the whistleblowers left the office, he was promoted to a position held by a former friend. L.P. Phillips, TSN News. Can you say wowzers? Uh, your thoughts, Davey? The hand that held the knife plunged it into the back of his neighbor. Actually, that's apropos of nothing. It's just a phrase I remember. Um, it just seems a transparent rereading. This reminds me of what a lawyer friend of mine used to say. Who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? You know, what, Wife walks in on his husband in bed in octo or octo, yeah, octo flagrante. And he says to his wife, who do you believe, me or what you think you see? So um, all six, is it six? I didn't count up the 
the underlings who went to the FBI, all six or seven of these guys, all of them were insubordinate. All of them. At the same time, at the same time, uh, decided to become essentially corrupt in, in the sense of, not, not in the sense of taking money, but in the sense of corrupt thinking. They all decided at the same time what, maybe they were meeting like in the cafeteria and, and, and plotting. Um, and there's, they are, there's like a there's like a group chat. Yes, all the disgruntled uh, I'm gonna <laughs> people say that this. Paxton fired. Yeah, this is uh, the Four Star Telegram, and I, I I don't have access to it, but I do have access to the uh, Quorum Report. Pressy, uh, an emerging theme among staunch conservatives. See, I don't like that. I I think I'm a staunch conservative. You you're a staunch libertarian, I suppose. Defending Ken Paxton at his impeachment trial. Um, the theme is that the FBI and maybe other law enforcement agencies were performing a targeted witch hunt and that Paxton was determined to stand up to such corruption. This is a this is of a piece with the idea that Donald Trump is the victim of the deep state and the uh, the uh, corrupt FBI or some. Are corrupt you saying FBI he's people. not Davy? Come on, let's be honest for a second. I'm not going down that trail. We can argue about that or talk about it later. But no, that <laughs> well, that, that's a, it's it's the same thing. Because move on. It's the same theme. So they're hitting on it. So Texas Republican Party Chairman Matt Rinaldi suggests as much on Twitter. Uh, so this case, he writes, is really shaping up to be about Paxton being willing to break established norms to investigate an out-of-control FBI and his employees thinking it was insane, in quotes, for a state to challenge federal officers and speculating as to ulterior motives. Now, this is Matt Rinaldi, who's the chairman of the Texas Republican Party, is saying this. He's 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 alleging that maybe these employees are thinking that it's insane to challenge for Texas to challenge the FBI. He's made a... a, a uh, Paxton has challenged the FBI, I suppose. He's challenged federal authority anyway a lot. And some of it I've agreed with. I think he's been right on some of these lawsuits. So, Well, here's he, Davey. It's also, it's also this, too. It's like every day, if I were to take a bunch of 20-sided dice and put them in a cup wow. and throw them down on the table. and they would uh, never stop I, rolling. It, it, it's hard to tell like who's on the right team one day to the next if you ask about who's a rhino one day who's not a rhino the next well it depends right? it's, on it's it's because this is such it's always politics in texas is such a fluid situation because it just depends on the topic the time of the year it's you know the what definition I mean? it's just, of rhino it changes it gets from, from, from person it gets rough person. it yeah. gets rough but let me move on because i don't want to be on this the entire segment davy so depending on who you talk to though the changes to the voting laws in texas are either needed to prevent fraud or a unconstitutional attack on civil liberties. And so there's a lawsuit heating up at the federal courthouse in San Antonio over rules for those who help voters cast a ballot. That puts up often insurmountable obstacles to folks not only voting, but also organizing their communities and providing voter outreach. That's Ashley Harris with the ACLU. The lawsuit is also critical of changes to voting by mail. Elections officials can only send ballots to those who request them, and there's also a ban on 24-hour and drive-through voting. And the ACLU says the voting law oversteps what is actually legal. It's creating an atmosphere of fear, chills voters who desperately need assistance in order to exercise their right to vote. Death by a thousand cuts to making voting more difficult for voters of color. 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know about voters is, of color. It makes it maybe maybe it makes it more difficult for everybody. But what about uh, if you drive up to a polling place and you are infirm and you can't go inside, or it's a real pain in the rear end to do it? They will bring a ballot. I mean, they'll bring the machine out to you. Is that's not being that's curbside? Yeah, that's curbside, and that's cool, right? That's cool. But you can't have a drive-through like you drive through and get a six-pack of beer and vote at the same time, which I think is a brilliant idea. You can't do that. Now, how many older Republicans? I'm an American, damn it! Where <laughs> you can buy I need to have my, a beverage. I need to have my cores and my drive-through voting at the right. same the time. I'm sorry, go ahead, Dave. Gonna, so, how many older uh, Republican voters are there? I mean, the cliche is that the Republican base is aging. They wouldn't benefit from a little drive-through voting. I've never. I don't understand why drive-through voting is is um, is forbidden. Why it doesn't? I think. See, I th- that we've talked about this before. The stuff they're going after, and I don't have. You know. Well, no. So there's a there is a legitimate claim to this because, from what I believe, the opposition was saying was that okay, you pull up to the you pull up for curbside voting. Who's in the car with you? The person who's is telling your, you how to vote. Is it your tia? Is it your tio? You know, is it is it really a family member or is it somebody who's air quotes coaching you through the through the voting process? Does it? What's the law provide? The law doesn't have to say it's a family. Law does not say it has to be a family member, does it? I'm over my because, skis here. So in normal voting, like what 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 kinds of people are allowed inside the voting booth with you in an, normal voting? If you were to get down and walk into the booth. An assistant, someone who you want to assist you, is my understanding now. I, I don't have a. I, I don't like this instructed voting. I don't like people intimidated. I don't like any of that kind of stuff. I'm not sure this gets at it, though. You've done this more than I have. What do you think? Well, I mean, when, when I was trained, I mean, if you have somebody, uh, there's always assistance available for whatever ailment that you've got. If you need, if you need help reading the ballot, if you are having a hard time seeing the ballot, if there's all sorts of help for people with disabilities to make sure that they're able to cast their ballot. And you can request that at the site. Even the, even when you pull up for, uh, for the, the drive through voting. You know, you can get any kind of help you want. The machines are very versatile. They can go outside. They they run on a battery, you know. Yeah. But when, uh, and this is anecdotal because this happened when I was an election judge one year. There was a woman who walked in, very elderly lady. She really wanted to vote. She didn't have anybody to help her other than me. And her, the first words that came out of her mouth were, and this was at the time of straight ticket voting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Democrat, so I have to vote. I have to, her, the, the yeah. exact words were, I have to vote straight ticket Democrat. And you're, you're told you, can, you have to let them know that they can vote for whoever they want. Yeah. If they wish to vote straight ticket, they can, but they need to be made aware that they can vote for whoever they want. They are not obligated to vote for anybody. They can leave, they can leave spots blank if they want. They can choose whoever, whatever. And Republicans have said that Democrats tell people they must vote straight Democratic ticket, which you can't – well, you don't have the straight lever anymore, but that's, that's a Republican theme. So what did you tell this lady? That's what I told her. She, need, she, needed to, she needs to know that she can vote for whoever she wants. It needs to be made clear because if it's not made clear, you know, if you've got the, the card or whatever and you're being told these are the people you have to vote for, that's, that's influence. That's influencing a voter. You, 
if the, if a voter comes in with a with a preconceived notion that they're supposed to vote a certain way and they can't leave spots open in races that they don't want to vote for or what have you, they need to be told that it's totally okay it's if okay. you do that. Well, that's so. You, so you your your job was to assist the voter in doing what he or she wanted to do or thought they wanted to do or i am a sure vessel what they want i am a to do. i am a medium i am a vessel yeah. i i yeah. am there to just take orders from the people that walk in i am there to serve that's but it you weren't a party hack though trying to get as many republican votes or democrat votes as possible bite your tongue Davey. no no that i don't mean that in an ugly way <laughs> i don't mean no. i don't mean that you you understand what i'm no, because you can get into a lot of trouble for doing that. You know what I mean? If somebody gets yeah. disgruntled, I didn't like the way so and so handled you. You can get into a lot of trouble, and it, re- it reflects bad on the on the on the people that trained you and the rest of the county and, and things like that. And I and, and my coach was immaculate. <laughs> yeah. uh, we gotta get going. You're listening to News Talk Seven Ten KURV. This is your nine five six drive home. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands, your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Let's get a check of the economy right now. And we got a big economic week this week. Joining us on 710KURV to talk about this is Tim Snyder from Matador Economics. You can check out the newsletter at matadoreconomics.com. Uh, real quick, let's get a, a, a recap of how the economy has been going so far. We've kind of been on and off, hot and cold about uh, recession and just how good the economy really is or how bad the economy really is. And everybody seems to have an opinion. What's your take? You know, I've got to tell you, just looking at really the metrics that we've had the last maybe two or three months, the thing that's been driving more concern in the economy right now, Zach, is the, is the uh, well, it's really the Federal Reserve and what they've been doing with interest rates. Now, they haven't raised the rate since uh, the end of July, uh, and we're at 5.5% on the discount rate, which is the only rate that the Fed affects, by the way. Um, but then you look at the overall effect of what this has done to the economy, and you look at the fact that gasoline prices came up. They did dip a little bit, as we would always expect when we changed the blends of gasoline, and that's that's a seasonal effect. So we saw gasoline dip a little bit, but crude oil continued to go up, which tells us that 30, 45 days down the road, we're going to see higher gasoline prices, and that is concerning the marketplace. Uh, it has us, you know, a little bit on edge. And then looking to see where the Fed you know, what the Fed is going to do with regards to interest rates. I don't think they're going to do anything in September. I think the, the next meeting they have that they'll do something is, I think, at the end of October. And we may very well see something there, even though, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of things up in the air. The economy itself, however, right now, 
Um, we've got uh, consumer price index, producer price index, retail sales, and the, the uh, Congress is coming back into session this week. So all those issues are going to create a little bit of what we call fundamental turmoil in the marketplace. And so we're going to see sideways to rather confusing trade this week and primarily this week. Yeah, let's talk about that confusing trade there for a second. Uh, joining us on 710KURV is Tim Snyder from Matador Economics, and we have a big economic week this week with many, um, with a lot of numbers coming out. Let me just put it that way. Uh, but as far as as far as the markets go, it seems to say it's skittish is an understatement, right? Because it's not just the prices; it's people's reaction to the prices and people buying, selling, thinking about buying and selling, and it, it's just it's, everything's in flux all the time. And so what do you what do you feel like um, people that are uh, looking into buying and selling right now? Are they is this more of a bull or a bear? This is neither. This is this is some strange hybrid. You know, I noticed there's a TV commercial that they've got a a a, a cross between a, a bear and a Sasquatch and they call it a bear squatch or whatever they call it. That's what we really do have in this market right now. There's concerns primarily, you know, when the Fed talks about raising interest rates and, and how long they're going to have to keep interest rates at the level that we have them, that has done nothing but put pressure on the banking systems. When, the, when you put pressure on the banking systems, Zach, that makes them increased interest rates, maybe change terms a little bit, make it a little bit more difficult to get a loan. So those people, like you said, that are looking to buy or sell something, for instance, if you're about to sell the vehicle that you have and maybe buy not necessarily a new one, but a used one, either one, um, your interest rate's going to be higher. The terms may not be as, as lucrative as you might have thought. Or if you're a developer, you may not have the same terms from your banker that you might have had a year ago. Interesting, interesting. And um, so for people, what do you tell people that are looking at the, the, the shaky ground that we're on economically? And do you tell them, hey, just stay the course to whatever, you know, like financial plan that you've got? Or uh, what's your advice to them? I really do. I, I think it's important for people to look at and see what season of their employment and financial life that they're in. If you're a young folk and you're out there and and your your earnings potential is good and things are going the direction you want and you've got room in your budget remember don't spend more than don't spend more than 40% of your of your income per month on a house all that is is yeah it gives you a little bit of income but what happens when this market turns around and we have to find a way you know interest rates you know they they make a tick upward and all of a sudden interest rates go up again and then there's nobody to come buy your house or you know, there's there's just so many different things you're looking at. Somebody in middle America, you've got kids, you've got to look at, at you know, paying for college or, or whatever you whatever you have to be dealing with. There's somebody that's close to retirement. Big changes, the closer to the end of that spectrum you get, can do nothing but cause problems in especially this kind of market. Joining us on 710KURV from Matador Economics is Tim Snyder. And I love talking to Tim because he's not only just a, a, an economist, he's, he's like an oil and gas guy too. So he knows a lot about energy. And yeah, the, the, <laughs> I, wanted to get, I wanted to get a take from you about how the, the power grid in Texas has been doing so far and what's been uh, 
uh, what the energy landscape has been for us. You're about to step on my absolute last nerve. <laughs> I have had my belly full of the excuses and the, oh my gosh, we are absolutely at the limit of our reserve capacity. Um, we asked our, our, our state house to fix ERCOT's problems two years ago. We went through this biennium. Nothing changed. Now, I did see that the new head of ERCOT has asked for more natural gas production. Folks, pay attention to the truth, not the lies, and make sure that we, we can heat our homes this fall and winter, and then we can cool our homes next summer if it's hot again, and Lord knows it probably will be. You know, the, the issues we're dealing with ERCOT right now are we're playing politics, and I'm sick of it. And I think the average consumer in your area uh, right now, Zach, is really very tired of the excuses about where they stand. And this is not even to mention the fact that, that um, we're adding the South Plains of Texas, so Lubbock uh, moving west towards the, to the western boundary of Texas and New Mexico. Uh, so really that South Plains, South Amarillo, North of Midland, we're adding that 270,000 households to the ERCOT grid this fall. So that's more demand on top of what we're looking at. This is needs to be addressed and needs to be addressed out in front of everybody in full focus of the consumer who's paying the price. You know what's nuts, Tim, is I, I read this on KUT over the weekend and that ERCOT was worried about some sort of transmission line that runs from South Texas up to the rest of the state. And there's a lot of wind energy in South Texas that moves up to the rest of the state, but it just so happened that the infrastructure can't support the amount of energy from the from the wind and from from the wind farms to move to the rest of the state. So it's like it's kind of redundant. It's kind of like uh, there's there's kind of no point to it if they can't move the power that's being generated to the places that they want to put it. That is very true. I was probably one of the first people to publish on this. Um, those zones that you're talking about are called CREZ zones, competitive renewable energy zones. Those CREZ zones, and there's one down in the valley, there's one uh, in the hill country, there's one in uh, the south, on the South Plains. If you drive from Dallas to Lubbock, you know anywhere from Sweetwater uh, all the way up to Lubbock, you've got this, this CREZ zone where we generate. We've also seen those high-tension power lines that can carry a heavier load. The problem is, those lines were built, were completed in 2013. They were at capacity in 2015. How do you increase that load by putting more windmills out there? How do you increase the load if the lines are already at limit? It doesn't matter. That's the reason why you drive by those, those windmills and see that they're turned off a lot of the times. That's the kind of thing that the public needs to see and not get this bamboozled mess uh, out of our politicians it's making people mad that's why they're off that's fascinating i know i've, I've driven by yes, a bunch of windmill farms at times too and it's like and maybe two or three of them are on and like well maybe the other ones are still under construction or they need something no it's just, they're just off because they can't move the power that's nuts exactly and i will uh, yeah, tell you this was told to me by somebody who is one of the inspectors for the texas railroad commission for 
the uh, transmission lines uh, and pipelines and those kinds of things. So um, it, it's a credible source. Well, Tim, uh, <laughs> on that good note, <laughs> what's in the what's in the news? Fun, aren't I? What's in the what's in the newsletter this week? You know, we're going to be watching uh, consumer price index, producer price index, retail sales. I want to see what happens with the uh, House Budget Committee because we've got like maybe 15 days of uh, political talk left until we're supposed to have a budget. So all of these issues are going to be uh, at play this week, and uh, we'll just have to see. And, you know, today's 9-11, and I'll never forget watching and and listening uh, to what happened and and where things are and and just you know it's 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 a shame it's it's one of those nightmarish kinds of days but, but i got to tell you that plane that landed that that hit the pentagon um uh, that the spot where he hit uh, where they hit the pentagon is 100 about 150 yards from where my dad is buried at Arlington National Cemetery God bless you Tim God bless you thanks a lot for stopping by as usual that's Tim Snyder from Matador Economics you can pick up the newsletter, sign up for the newsletter at matadoreconomics.com. You're listening to News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radiopotomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.